Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Elevate Your Equity podcast, where investors with a special emphasis on couples begin, continue, and deepen their journey to financial freedom together using the powerful vehicle of real estate investing to do it. And we were so excited to have a fantastic guest on the show today. Today's guest is Josh Ferrari. Josh has been a licensed aircraft technician for the last three years. According to him, being an aircraft technician is fun, but requires meticulous attention to detail for the safety of the flight crew. He has never had any aircraft required to be reworked due to unsatisfactory work. So this attention to detail allows him to be the expert needed to run multifamily assets. Josh's ability to manage other people's money as a financial coach positions him to be a high-class asset manager and financial investor. His ability to raise private money has earned him the title of primary capital raiser for over $7 million raised in a three-year real estate investing journey. He currently has over 4 million assets under management, which equates to 90 units in his personal portfolio. He's happily married to his wife, Alicia, for over three years, and they have a corgi named Pecan, and they love traveling, eating, and chewing fingers. Josh is an active member in his local church, where he serves as the drummer on the worship team. He also mentors local entrepreneurs in financing and investing. I really loved listening to Josh's story. He has so much enthusiasm and, and just so much passion for real estate investing. Yeah, Josh is incredible. He's only 24 years old and he's been able to do this over the last three years. And so it's definitely been a journey that has some ups and downs and we're excited to be able to share them with you. But there's a lot to take away from this, a lot of practical examples and things that you can learn from following in his footsteps and just kind of walking the mile in his shoes. You'll be able to see that clearly. You'll see what I mean in just a couple of minutes. So let's just go ahead and bring him on. All right. And Josh, we have you on the show. Welcome, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. It's already been a warm, warm welcome here from you guys. And I'm uh, excited to be on the show, man. That's great. Great. Good to have you on. What is new? What's going on right now in these uh, in your neck of the woods today? In my neck of the woods today, it, we had a horrible thunderstorm last night. And then not but three hours later, after the sun came up, there was not a cloud in the sky and it was 80 degrees. <laughs> so that's the weather in my neck of the woods. But what's going on with me in my <laughs> neck of the woods is um, we recently got a 148 unit multifamily apartment uh, portfolio uh, under contract probably two or three weeks ago. We just finished all of the due diligence on it, got off a call today about it. And everything's really exciting. It's going to be a completely different deal unlike any deal we've ever done before. I'm excited about it. And then we've got another 88 unit that we're also in the process of getting under contract, which didn't happen today. So maybe it'll happen tomorrow, if not early next week. And then we've got a single family luxury flip, which is totally one off that we were supposed to close tomorrow. It's looking like it'll probably close on Tuesday now, but it's it, 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 supposedly it just kind of like fell in my partner's lap. So it's kind of one of those deals that he'd been doing a lot of flipping for the last decade before we even got into multifamily. And then even now that we're a partnership doing the multifamily thing, he still kind of flips off to the side. And so this deal fell in his lap is a $1.8 million deal. And he's like, oh, I can't really tackle that by myself. So let's bring my partners in. So we're tackling it by one, eight, uh, put about 200,000 in it. It got damaged by one of the hurricanes down here on the Gulf coast. And it'll easily sell for like three or more when we're done with it. So quick, quick little flip. And we'll just use all that money to funnel back into the multifamily. Very cool. Well, congratulations on that. Well, at least I'm crossing my fingers for you, hoping that everything goes through. <laughs> Sounds like you're a busy guy, man. So that's that's fantastic. Well, you know, uh, in this show, we we generally like to speak to you know Mary W two professionals, and in that way, what we want to do is you want to kind of back up and and talk to you about when you started investing. You know, where were you at the time? What was your mindset like? And maybe you can describe a little bit about how you broke into the space. Where was I at the time? So six months before I ever even found out that real estate was a thing, I was living with my parents and, uh, or I had just moved out of my parents' house, just had graduated a trade school. I didn't really go to like college, college, like a university, but it was a trade school to get my a airframe and power plant license to be a licensed aircraft technician to work on planes. And so I just graduated that just moved out from Memphis, Tennessee, where my family's from, to move down here on the Gulf Coast to Mobile, Alabama. So I was living down here for about six months. 
just gotten married too. got married in November of that year. So it's freshly married. Thank you. Thank you. So it's freshly married, freshly at the house, starting what I thought was going to be this longstanding career in aviation. And then my dad calls me up some weeknight in January of 2018. And he tells me, Hey, your mom and like, like your mom and I have some news basically. And I was like, okay, like, where is this headed? And they're like, your mom and I are about to spend $40,000 to buy this course. That's going to teach us like everything we need to know on how to flip houses. And I was like, what the, how to flip houses? Like, first of all, where did this come from? Where's the $40,000 coming from? I know you guys aren't like wow. independently wealthy. What the heck's going on? Oh, you know? And it ended up being this like four hour long conversation. At the end of the call, my interest was, was peaked. Like at the sheer thought of real estate investing, like, holy cow, they're doing this. Granted, I don't have $40,000, you know, nowhere near, but I could potentially like at least start learning about this to see what's possible. So he told me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He handed me a few other books I think I ended up reading like 40 books that year. I was 21 at the times, more books than I'd ever read in my entire life. I went to, I was going to three different local real estate meetups and I was listening to all the podcasts I could. And he told me about bigger pockets, started listening to that. And then that kind of funneled into a bunch of other podcasts. So I was just basically trying to learn everything possible. And so to answer your question about like the mindset, my mindset, when I started, you know, the trade school and then got into aviation, I just always thought that you know, I was going to work till I was like 65, retire out on a farm. My wife and I really want to kind of own our own little, nothing like high stress or high need, I guess. But we always wanted just a little farm, a couple of chickens, maybe a cow pig, you know, just a couple of things with a lot of land. That's just always what we wanted. So I, I saw myself retiring with that, you know, having a couple of kids and just being in a ton of debt. Like maybe I'd be out of debt at the time, but I just always thought like, I'm going to have these things and I'm going to have the four wheeler and I'm going to learn. I'm like, I'm going to get my pilot's license and I'm going to own an airplane. Like I wanted to do all these things. And I was like, I'm just going to be in debt. That's just the way it's going to be. I'm going to make a hundred, $150,000 a year as an aircraft tech, you know, peeking out. And it is what it is. You know, the American dream be in debt, but still get, you know, still have all this stuff that I want. That was the, my mindset. And so when my dad started telling me about this and when I started reading some of those books, figuring out like, holy cow, I can make more than my annual salary and like one deal, like like one or two deals. I could make 40, 50, 60, $100,000. I'm like, this is insanity. How do people, like, how do people do this? How is this possible? So at that point it was, I mean, it was like guns blazing. I had to go full speed ahead to learn everything that I could about this niche of real estate so that I could kind of transition over into that and get out of the W-2, even though I would have only been in for like six months. Wow, man. Th great story. Dude. Thank you so much for that. And if you don't mind me asking, we can obviously edit this out if you don't want to say, but how old are you right now? I am 24 right now. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. That's amazing, dude. You've got some great stuff and a long runway ahead of you. Uh, I'm very, very, very jealous. <laughs> to be honest, but uh, I'm very happy for you as well, because um, you've definitely found the right niche. And um, what I wanted to do is let's back up a little bit more and dig a little bit deeper into when you started. What was, would you say at the time when you got invested in real estate or got started to learn about real estate investing? You know, um, when people start, there are people that kind of are casual studiers of the art and the science of real estate investing. And then there are people that are jump, that just jump in completely. And what I wanted to ask you is what was that motivating factor? Was it purely financial? Was it emotional? What did you discover in reading some of the early books and, you know, talk in the early conversations with your mom and dad about this? And maybe you can dive into that a little bit to help us understand what your motivation was. I think the motivation was family, the family that I didn't have yet. I mean, I had my wife, we were the start of a of what we knew were gonna, was gonna be a, a big family. We've always wanted a good handful of kids, but obviously we didn't have any kids yet. And I was like, the fact that I was okay with being in all that debt, having that, looking back at it, it's like, why on earth was I ever okay with that? Like, that's horrible. What if I had passed away and like left my family with all of this debt? That is terrible. 
So I think it was family was kind of the motivating factor to like continue pushing forward. But as far as whether it was, you know, like logistical or emotional, I think it was definitely emotional. I think it was the emotional attachment to the family that was going to be that wasn't yet. And I didn't think I, I was the learner that jumped in. I was the learner that was like, no, we're, we're not going slow with this. This isn't going to be no 10 year plan. Like we're going to do it. We're going to do it now. It's going to happen. And before you know it, we'll have the level of success that we're looking for. You know, like the sooner we start, the sooner we'll get to where we're trying to get to. So I jumped right in and didn't really take into account all of the like sacrifice that was going to be needed. Cause we had just, I mean, November, November 12th was when we got married and then we went on our honeymoon, didn't really get her settled in and move to the house until December, like early December of 2017. And then mid January, 2018 is when I like was jumping into real estate. So we would like barely married and I had not even slightly taken into the account what real estate, like how much time it was going to take to learn all this stuff, do all this stuff and end up being successful. So I feel like, I mean, looking back, I'm glad I started then, you know, cause now it's like, now I'm coming to the point where I have a little bit more success underneath me and we're starting to see some of the fruits of our labor and I can spend a little bit more time with the family now instead of on the business. But looking back, it was, it was tough. I mean, do like doing that, day in and day out without really seeing anything for a long time. You know, it took me two years before I ever saw a dime of profit from any investing we did. So like doing that day in and day out with that super time consuming, not seeing my wife as nearly as much as I would like. It was tough. Thank you, Josh. So yeah, I mean, a lot of our listeners are couples who are starting this whole investing journey together. Now your situation is so special because you just said, Hey, not even, you know, like not even through the honeymoon stage yet. Right. And what were the conversations that were happening and how, you know, what were kind of the things that you guys had to really understand and smooth out while you're discussing like, well, she's watching you go full force on the investing journey. What was she thinking? Do you think? I think we've had, we've had some of these conversations and she didn't really know what to think. She wasn't really into the whole real estate thing. She's wasn't into like the entrepreneur lifestyle, not to say that she just wanted to work, you know, a W2 her whole life. She, her dream was always been to be a stay at home mom. So we had always thought back to my initial mindset that that's why we would be in so much debt because I'd be working day in and day out, but it doesn't matter because we got all these kids and we wanted all this farmland and all this stuff, you know, it was like, it was, that's just the way it was going to be because she was going to be a stay at home mom. And so she never really was into like the investing or the learning. She didn't really go to a lot of the like meetups with me. She was a lot more on the like supporting side. So anything that I, wanted to do, or it's like, Hey, we should do this. Or, you know, when we decided to jump into wholesaling and start spending money on marketing, she's like, what is this all about? What do you mean? Spend money on marketing? Like, What is marketing? You know, she had all these questions. And so it was like going through what that was going to look like and maybe how, like trying to explain how long it was going to take till maybe we saw some benefits there and, you know, how much money we we're going to have to put out before we saw anything. And She's like, well, are we going to be okay on finances with that? Because we kind of work together on finances, but I've always been kind of like the head of running the budget and doing all that. And then I kind of like clue her in and she, you know, she has that input there, but she, she was asking me basically, because I'm the one looking at most of the finance, you know, are we going to be okay? How much are you thinking about spending with that? So she's always played a very big supporting role, like with, with the wholesaling that we did. And then it was like, okay, Hey, wholesaling isn't working. Cause we tried wholesaling for five to six months. Didn't close a single deal. Didn't make any money. So here I am five to six months grinding away, spending money on marketing, going to these meetups, listening to all these podcasts, not spending a ton of time with her uh, or not nearly as much as I felt like I should have. And I had nothing to show for it. You know, we hadn't closed the deal. Nothing was closing, was doing all this work and nothing was happening. So I was like trying to prove to her and myself really that, this was possible, like that someone as young as us, as young as me could make this thing happen and become financially free, like really get out of the stage job thing. And it was, 
nothing, you know, we didn't, we didn't get anything, no deals closed for like five to six months. And so I had to step back and rethink the strategy. Like, what was the reason that we started investing in the first place? What was the reason that I jumped into wholesaling, you know, of all niches, why did I jump into wholesaling? Primarily it was because from what I had learned to date and what I was told by some of the leaders of the real estate meetups and listening to podcasts and so on and so forth was that wholesaling was that low barrier to entry. You, know, you didn't need a lot of money, no credit checks, none of that. So all you really needed to do was be like a good marketer, you know, just go out there, find the right deal from the seller and then get it eventually to the buyer. And I guess I was horrible at that. I guess I, just, I wasn't doing something right. I don't know, but it didn't work. And so the plan with that was to kind of get that barrier level entry experience in the space as well as kind of grow the capital stack, grow a little bit of money on the side so we could use that to eventually buy something. Because I knew big picture, we wanted the passive income. And so at like six months of being into this thing, no deals closed, I was like, all right, X nay on the marketing. We're not doing that anymore. We're going to save the money that we have and we're going to buy something. The next transition of our like journey inside of investing was, okay, what are we going to buy? And then determining, hey, we're going to buy this fourplex. And she's like, a fourplex? That sounds big, you know? Like, how are we going to do that? We just, you know, we're renting this whole time. Our lease was about to be up. How are we going to afford that? You know, the, the money conversation comes up and what is, what is that going to look like, you know, time-wise? And I was like, well, we're going to have a general contractor and they're going to handle all of the like renovations. And since we'll live there, we can property manage, but it shouldn't take too much time because we'll be living there. So like showings and stuff will be easy. I'll just go downstairs and show someone and come back upstairs and bam, we're done. You know, I don't have to travel. So the property management will be easy. We'll save a little bit of money. So it's all sounding great, you know, in my head. And then we get into the deal and it was, it was a living nightmare. <laughs> that was, so that was kind of the, the entry and some of the thought process and kind of her role and being extremely supportive. You know, every, every time I had a transition from, you know, wholesaling to fourplex house hack to, okay, we're not house hacking anymore. And we're not doing this renovation thing anymore. What are we going to do now? And then it was like syndication. What is syndication? You know, what is that all about? And so then diving into that, and that took like a year, year and a half before that did anything, before that got anywhere. And so it's been all these like long spells of time before there's really been any, anything come to fruition. So she, she's told me on multiple occasions, a lot of times she's like, I feel like you were just in there, like spinning your wheels, you know, like was anything really happening? We weren't in a better financial situation, the fourplex that hit us hard financially because we had to take out a bunch of credit card debt and personal loans like to make ends meet. And she was like, we're getting in more and more debt. This is supposed to be passive income. We're supposed to be living for free. What is happening? You know? So it's, it's been a tough journey. And I know it definitely has for her because she's kind of leaned heavily on me because she hasn't really tried or, or doesn't really want to educate herself and what this is all about. So she's just like every day, you know, asking me what the heck's going on, you know, tell me about it. How's our finances? Are we in like a deeper hole? You know, <laughs> did we spent a bunch of money or did we make some money today? What does that look like? So that's, that's kind of been a somewhat of our, our journey. Oh yeah. Sounds like ours too. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for giving us a peek um, behind the scenes because, you know, for a lot of investors, we usually just hear sort of like all the successes, all the wins. Right. But we, uh, we forget that. Oh my goodness. There's like a richer journey. And it's, and the journey is not an easy linear one. Um, and you alluded to the fact that there's been a lot of sacrifices and sacrifices you didn't realize you had to make during that time. And looking back to what, you know, now that you have all the success under your belt, what one thing, you know, one piece of advice that you could kind of give to new investors who are just kind of going in, like, what is like one piece of one thing that you may have wanted to change or do differently in the past during that whole journey that would have shifted the whole path for you? Shifted the whole path. Well, I think education is key. First of all, you know, no, knowing what's possible will kind of let you lead yourself into where you want to head. Because for me, I had an idea initially with the mindset that I had from the W2 and then learning initially about uh, real estate at least listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast, I had heard Brandon Turner talk about what he calls the stack, 
It's like buy one, one house and a duplex quad, eight unit, 16 unit, and so on and so forth. Till eventually you get to the point where you can afford the larger deals and then get to that level of passive income that we wanted to be at. And I had no idea how long that was going to take, but I just figured that's going to be me. You know, that's the direction we're going to head in. We're going to do everything ourselves. You know, we're going to come up with the money. We'll make it work. And so then realizing or learning about syndication was like, whoa, <laughs> like I could get to this so much faster if I just used other people's money, like leveraged partnerships. Holy cow. So it, I could say that I wish I would have just written or had a better vision for where I wanted to go from the get go. But I don't think that's really it. I think it's knowing what's possible so you can know, I guess, how to get there, but also what avenue you're going to take to get there. Because we knew we wanted passive income. We knew we wanted to get to a certain level, but I always thought by doing the stack, and I was like, it's gonna be like a decade before we get there, but whatever, you know, it's a, I knew it was get rich slow, which is okay, we'll get there. But then learning that syndication was possible, I was like, wow, we could really do this in a couple of years. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a decade. This could really be like our life much sooner than we think. So I think education is huge, learning as much as you can in the get-go. But then... I think then it would be the flip side of, of the vision of knowing, creating like where we're going to go. Cause initially it was just like, yeah, I mean, we both want to get out of our W2. That'd be nice. Uh, you want to be a stay at home mom. So we need to be making enough money in the business. What does that look like? I don't know. We just want to do it. You know, we just want to jump in there. So that would probably be another thing just, and, and not just for myself either, like not having a vision just for me, but a vision for like both of us. And for the family, like having her on board with the vision and where we're going since she wasn't as involved, just her being like excited and I guess ready for the journey ahead. I think that would have been really, really helpful because then her being ready for the journey kind of of where we were headed and what it was going to look like and feel like and smell like when we got there, I think I mean, the sacrifices are still going to be there regardless, but I think she would have been, like her expectations would have been set a little bit as far as the sacrifices that we're going to have to be made in regards to time and, and finances. Cause there were many days or many weeks, uh, especially when we were in the midst of that fourplex, which took a year and a half to renovate by the way, which was only supposed to take six months. And I ended up having to do all the renovations myself. So there ended up being weeks on end that were like 20, 24 hour days where I did not get to see her at all even though she was like right upstairs, I was downstairs hammering away, sawing, making phone calls, listening to podcasts, trying to learn everything I could do everything I could. Uh, so we could start making some money or get not even make money, but like get some leeway, you know, because when we bought the fourplex, it was in complete shambles and none of the units were livable. So we were like, oh yeah, we got the ugly hat, like the ugliest house, you know, this is going to be the best investment. And I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty, but it it was a little too big of a <laughs> chip for us to chew. I got it. Well, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story because that's you know a lot of people end up cutting their teeth with deals like this, right? And I think that uh, it's really important to hear all of this, like what Sophie was saying before, that this is it's very much a knowledge based game that we're playing here with real estate investing. The more knowledge and connections that you have an investment in yourself that you're making, as well as investments in your properties, that's going to translate to your success over the long term. And what we like about real estate is that real estate, once you put the work in at the initial stage and you do your math right, then you're set up for a very long time with it because you, know, you can let time work. It's magic, right? With the real estate investing. I wanted to go back and I want to dial back in one more thing in your story. Every time something happened or every time that you switched gears, looking back, how much of that conversation that you had, yeah, you know, we're going through a hard time. Now we're going to switch directions. How much of that conversation with your wife was vision uh, and how much of that was emotion? And what did those conversations sound like? Because I can just put myself in your shoes right now and the frustration, right? Like trying to hold yourself back from being irritated with yourself and the situation, and then it bleeding into the relationship, that's something that would be really hard for me or difficult for me to be able to distinguish between. And so I just wanted to hear how you guys were able to get through all that. 
So the initial transition from wholesaling to buying that first deal, that fourplex, was a bit of a of a struggle, I guess, trying to get her. I mean, she she was excited about owning real estate. Don't get me wrong, because she was like, well, this would be great. You know, we can have these awesome tenants. And she's she's got a completely different vision. Than me, you know, she's got this vision that we're going to make this because it was a hundred year old house and it was in uh, Midtown Mobile. So it had like that which Midtown here is kind of like where the young crowd is. She's like, yeah, we have like all these young, hip, cool tenants and we're going to make this place look awesome, like chandeliers, you know, all this nice stuff. And, and I'm thinking like, oh, I don't think we're going to have any of that. You know, they're just trying to get the, <laughs> we're just trying to get this place rented. And I'm just, yeah. especially after we got into it and I had to start swinging the hammer, it was like, nah, none of that's going to be in here. But initially the, the transition there, the conversation went, similar to <laughs> it, it's hard to really remember exactly how it went, but it was like, Hey, you know, we've been doing this for five or six months. We've been spending all this money. Wholesaling is great. Don't get me wrong, but we haven't made any money and we just keep spending money on marketing. And this isn't really the direction we're trying to head in anyway. So what do you think about us buying something? Cause you know, I've mentioned like our lease is about to end. I don't think I want to spend another year renting just throwing a year's worth of rent away. I think we could use that to pay for like a down payment or something or, or try to get into something that we could house hack. Cause at the time I had heard the word house hack a couple of times from bigger pockets and other places and was like, okay, this sounds like something I could do. You know, even if it was just a duplex or a single family house with an in-law suite, like, I don't know. I, I didn't know what that was going to look like at the time. I just thought house hacking sounded like something we could seriously do. And so bringing up the idea of house hacking versus like, hey, let's go buy a rental. I think that made it a little bit easier on the conversation because, you know, initially she's like, well, what the heck is house hacking? You know, you got to break that down for me. And I said, well, we are going to have like neighbors, you know, we're, we're, we might all be under the same roof. But if we buy a small multifamily, then it'll be, you know, to have like their own. It won't be like shared space. You know, they have basically their own apartment unit kind of like how we do here at the apartments, but it'd be like a, you know, shared wall, shared roof. And she said, well, you know, I guess that'd be okay. You know, if we own, if we owned the place and if I, if I got to pick out the finishes, you know, and I was like, I mean, yeah, you can be the designer. Sure. I'll, uh, we'll make sure that we, you know, we get all of those things in there. And I'm just thinking pie in the sky with her while we're all thinking this together. Cause we hadn't invested anything yet. I'm like, yeah, it'll look great. It'll look beautiful. That's, that's, that's what we'll do. So then it was okay. Now we got to find what we're going to buy. And then going through the process of looking at houses and what about this? I don't know if that's going to make any sense. You know, it doesn't have a garage or, you know, then, then we started seeing, you know, all these single family houses because that's what you mostly see when you go on websites like Zillow or Realtor or something. And she was like, well, what about this? And I'm like, well, it's just a house. I mean, as I, unless you're okay with renting out bedrooms. And she said, nah, next, <laughs> keep, keep scrolling. So she, we knew that she didn't want a single family house because she didn't want to share a shared space with anyone. So that's when I knew, okay, we're going to have to spend a little bit more money, which started to freak me out a little bit because we're getting closer and closer to the lease ending. I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't have the money for a down payment on like a larger property, which is, sounds like is what it's going to have to be. Unless I can just find this killer deal, but how the heck am I going to do that? I've never bought anything before. And so that's when I remembered everyone always telling me, you got to use other people's money. You got to use other people's money. If, like, if you ever want to be successful in this business, you got to use other people's money. And I was like, well, I know my dad is investing in real estate. Maybe he could help us out. Uh, so I remember having that conversation with him and we we were looking at a couple of deals at the time, but nothing was really concrete. And he was like, yeah, I think I'd be willing to help you guys out and let you guys get that first deal under your belt, you know, start this journey. Cause he, you know, he's all into it at this point, having spent 40 grand and they've already flipped a couple of houses up to this point. And he's like, yeah, I'd be willing to help you guys out with the down payment and, you know, I give them a piece of equity in exchange. So it's not just like a loan or something, but uh, so then I was like, okay, I think, I think we've got the money aspect. And I, I was diving deeper into like loans, found out the FHA 203K loan was the way we were going to go. So we didn't have to worry about renovations either. And so we're getting excited. Alicia's getting excited. I'm getting excited. Like, 
this could really be possible. We might not have to come a lot of money out of pocket. It'll just be some time, but we'll be there at the house anyway. And so that's when we found the fourplex. We actually found it on Zillow. And it, in hindsight, now I know why we found it on Zillow because it maybe wasn't the best deal ever. We didn't lose any money on the deal, but it was, man, it was a living nightmare. And so we got into this deal. We got all excited about it. And so the conversation had kind of transitioned now into like, okay, we own something. Like we officially own it. Now what are we going to do? And now our daily conversations are consisting of what are the, uh, we had actually moved into unit one, which is the down, one of the downstairs units. It was the most livable unit at the time, but it was a hundred year old house. It didn't have any AC and it was the heat of the summer. We bought it in like, well, maybe not the heat. We bought it in September in Southern Alabama. So it was hot. We got box fans. Uh, we moved all our furniture in there or no, we moved some of our furniture in there. The rest of our furniture was in a storage facility. So all we had was like a couch, a coffee table, a bed, and we were living out of our suitcases for like a couple months, basically. And it was rough. You know, the kitchen was, was hardly put together and the, there was cockroaches everywhere. Let's not forget about the cockroaches. It was like a bad infestation. <laughs> so it was rough. It, and, and, and the biggest thing, I'm almost forgetting, this is, this is the best part. The biggest thing was that the, there was only one bathroom in, this, uh, in the unit we were in. And the shower head didn't work. So we had to take baths. And I was like, how do you get clean taking a bath? You're bathing in your own filth. So we took what we called a bower basically just stood up in the shower and had the faucet running. And then we had like a red solo cup. We would like dump on our heads, <laughs> try to try to get clean. So it was like, all right, I'm going to take my bower. And then most of the time I would try to have like cold water because it was hot and we just had, so it was, that was a whole adventure right okay. there. It was about three months living in that unit. So while we're living in that, I'm trying, I'm still every day trying to get her to see the vision, you know, <laughs> see, see what, what will be, you know, once we get this place up and running and we're living in this nice renovated unit and the rest of them are, are like rented out and we're just chilling, you know, I'm, I'm picturing this just relaxation mode, which never happened, but I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get this picture and she's like, okay. And at the time we were renovating the unit that we were going to live in which was the smallest one. And so every day she would go up there uh, after, you know, after the contractors finished and she'd be like, look at what they've done. And she was getting excited. You know, she was like, this is where we're going to live. we got this new renovated, nice place. And we, you know, we were picking out all the finishes and what everything was going to look like. Contractors asking us, you know, you want this here or what's the wall paint color going to look like? What about these fixtures? And she's getting all excited. Like we made, we spent double the money on that unit than we had initially planned because we got way too excited and into like the emotional side of things of just getting excited that we had owned something and that we were going to live here. And this is going to be like our first place. We weren't thinking big picture, like finances, you know, we need to still be able to rent this. We need to make sure we still have enough money to fix up the rest of the place. Cause this was only like 700 square feet out of 4,100 square feet that we were renovating. <laughs> it's like, we still got a lot more square footage to renovate. And uh, we didn't think about any of that. We just wanted this big, nice place that, that we were getting excited about. So finally it's finished. We move up there. We tripled. Yeah. We tripled the timeline and doubled the budget. And so we're like, this contractor's got to go. Like this contractor took way too long to finish all this work. So then we were in the process of firing that contractor and hiring the next one. But with the 203K loan, the paperwork is horrible. It's just nothing but a nightmare always. And I don't know if everyone has that same experience, but I've heard some people love the 203K loan. They're like, yeah, it was great for me. I've used it multiple times. All right, well, you have at it. Because for me, it was absolutely horrible. And it took five months between firing the first contractor and hiring the second contractor, which we already had lined up, by the way, before we fired the first one, of no, no one being able to touch the house. The company basically said that no one could renovate anything until all the paperwork was done. And I was like, there is zero chance that I'm just going to sit in this house for five months and nothing happened. So that was when we started getting into a bunch of credit card debt and we started getting 
personal loans because they wouldn't give us any money because they said no one could work on it. And I was like, well, if, if we can just scramble up the money to buy some materials, then I'll do the work myself. You know, if I can fix airplanes, I can fix a house. <laughs> that, was my, that was my thought process. So I went to YouTube University and figured out how to do a whole bunch of things. But basically, we got really excited, moved into it. I kept trying to get her to see this vision. And now that we're in it and we're starting to renovate the rest at that point, like that was during that five month time frame. That was when she was starting to get really stressed because we started taking out those loans and spending all this money on credit card debt. And she was like, are we okay? We're spending more and more money. I thought we only were going to spend what was in the loan. I'm like, yeah, but we'll get reimbursed. You know, when this is all said and done, we can get reimbursed and everything will work out and be okay. Well, when it was all said and done, we ended up going like $40,000 over budget. But at the time we didn't know that. And I was like, everything's going to be fine. You know, we're going to get this place up and running. And it was like a constant battle of me, first of all, never being there. So I was like hardly there to really comfort her and like let her know what was going on. But then also, so during that time, she's like stressing, you know, she's thinking about all the negatives and the what ifs and what if this place like, I don't know, catches fire. Like, what are we going to do? Or what if we have to put more money into this? Or that we, we found out almost from the get-go after having bought it, that the foundation was bad. So she was like, well, what if with, what if the foundation just gives out on us? Cause it was a crawl space, this hundred year old house, you know, what if we just collapse? And what if this happens? What if <laughs> it was all these like bad, horrible scenarios going on in her head. And, uh, and I just had to keep trying to combat them, you know, one after the next. Yeah, I was the optimistic one. Like, oh, it's going to be okay. We're going to make this thing happen. You know, I'm down there. I, I just finished the floors, you know. I just finished painting the living room wall. You want to go check it out? I'm trying to, like, get her excited and make her come see what all the hard work has been. And uh, and it worked a little bit, but but it was tough. Yeah, there's no way around it. That is definitely one of these, one of those properties where you just, you earn your keep, man. You know, that's, it's tough. And sometimes, you know, you like, you know, Sophie and I, we've gone through this too, where you're just struggling to get back to even. And sometimes that happens, but for the most part, whenever you're struggling to get back to even, that is when you're learning so much about real estate investing and rehabs and costs and handling contractors and loans. And, and so it's almost worth that. It's like your tuition, you know, that that's, that's the way you got to think about things like that. Right. Is that, is that how you guys right. kind of handled it after in the end? So that's the way I've always thought about it. I honestly don't think that I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for that experience. And if it wasn't for her being there as like my, my why, like my reason to keep going. Cause if she wasn't there and it was just me and I was just some single dude trying to fix this place up, I've been like, man, screw this house, you know, freaking dad paid for the mortgage. He can worry about it. He can worry about the dang house. I don't care. But the fact that it was like, no, I'm doing this for my family, for my wife and for our future kids. We're creating financial freedom right now so that I can leave a legacy and live yeah. and actually be a dad. Cause I think I realized really quickly after I got into real estate that Working a W-2 wasn't my dream. It wasn't always what I wanted to do. It's what I thought I was wanted to do. But at learning more and more about the possibilities of entrepreneurship and uh, self-employment and kind of that, that lifestyle was like, this is the lifestyle that I was meant to live. Like I was meant to be a present dad. I was meant to be there at all the swim meets and the ballet practices and the soccer practices. And even if they do none of that meant to be there playing video games with them or outside, you know, doing whatever, like I was just meant to be there. And I couldn't do that if I was working the W2. And so it was like, what wasn't even yet, what hadn't happened yet, the kids was in my mind as well as what if we never have kids? Well, still doing this for Alicia, still doing this for us. We're going to travel the world if we never have kids. You know, we're going to do this stuff because we can, because we have time and we're not strapped to a job. 
Excellent. Yeah, that, that vision is what's supposed to drive you and your spouse through anything, through through everything. And honestly, like it's given you rocket fuel, so to speak, right? I mean, it's given you your why, the, the positive attitude, and it's given everything that you just talked about, right? From age 21, it's given you the perspective to say, I'm going to learn everything I can learn as quickly as I can. I'm going to find a way to get this fourplex done. And then once you're in the fourplex, you're like, I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> and now let's let's get past that. I want to talk about the scale into multifamily, right? Um, there's a lot of people out there that are starting off investing in real estate, right? And they're in W-2 positions, just like uh, you and I. Actually, do you still work at W-2? Yep, still full-time aircraft tech. Me too, that's right. So for those W-2 people out there, right? And are looking to start or even scale into multifamily, right? You've had very impressive track record over what you've been able to do over just starting in the last three years. Like that whole experience that you had with the fourplex, that's a five-year experience. <laughs> that's like a, okay, this happened. We're taking a break for a little while, but yet you still are moving through it, which is incredible. Can you talk us through a little bit about how that transition worked from your house hacking to now you're like, oh my gosh, syndications. Let's talk about how you got yourself educated and how you got to where you are right now, where you're raising capital and you have an operational partner. And I just want to explore that a little bit more. So I think the main thing here, which I think has been a big purpose of of this show and of you guys' show is that support, you know, having Alicia there with me, supporting me, even if I wasn't always there with her because I was busy doing something like I knew that she would like had my back, you know, I had someone there to continue to push me to be better, you know, be my reason to be better other than just lay back and chill and you know, watch TV or whatever, whatever it is. I think that was really key to continue pushing me to be, be better and get further and become financially free in this. But the transition to about six months into having like throughout a six month period of having initially bought that fourplex, I was continuing to learn and educate myself while I'm, you know, I'm hammering and turning wrenches at work for nine hours a day. I think it was 10 hours a day at the time, actually it was mandatory. And then I was coming home for another eight hours and turned more hammers and more wrenches and pipes and laying floors. And it was rough, but basically all day fixing stuff. I was trying to listen to podcasts, talk to folks, learn everything that I could. So I was continuing to kind of go through that educational process. And I was trying to learn more and more about multifamily because I'm like, we're in this fourplex and I know maybe everything's not going the way that I had envisioned it or the way that most people talk about that it does, you know, when you hear all these other success stories from other folks, that's kind of the way that it's supposed to go. And that's the way that I feel like it could go if we just had more experience or had better management or bought a better deal, you know, all these what ifs, like these, if all the stars lined up, you know, this is what it could potentially be like. And so I knew I wanted to get into multifamily. And so I was just continuing to think that I was going to do the stack method like we talked about earlier, where now we bought this fourplex. Okay, the next deal we're going to buy is an eight unit. We might have to sell this or refinance it to do so, but that's okay because then we'll have eight units and we won't, I was like, we probably won't live in one at that time. Maybe we'll rent if we don't have the money again, or maybe we'll have enough money to buy a house. I don't know where we'd be, but I just thought eight, eight, 16 and so on and so forth was going to kind of be the direction we were headed in. Well, then I remember stumbling upon syndication. And being like, what the heck? Like, what does this word even mean? Syndication. It's just such a weird word. Like, what, what is this? And she definitely didn't know what it was. So when I was telling her that this was, I remember, I remember, I think I heard it on a podcast. Someone had syndicated and they were similar to my age at the time. I think they were like 23 or 24 and they had just bought like a hundred unit deal or something. And I was like, what the heck? How do you buy a hundred units at the age of like 23? That's crazy. And they were talking about how they did it through syndication. They had a partner and I was like, syndication. So I was just really like into that episode, you know? And then I remember that episode ending and I can't remember if I was already at home or if I was driving home, but I remember talking to her about it. Like, babe, this is it. Like, this is what we have to do. You know, getting all excited. Like, look at how much faster we can get to our, like to success by doing this. And she's all like, not really excited about it. You know, she's like, I mean, yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine. I, yeah. Like what, what is this all about? Tell me, explain. So 
started trying to explain, but I still didn't know much of anything than what I had just heard. And I'm like, you just have to listen to the episode. Like, it was really awesome. And she's like, okay, I don't think she ever listened to the episode. But anyhow, I was intrigued at this idea. So I remember there was a guest speaker coming over from Pensacola to Mobile to, to one of the local real estate meetups to speak on multifamily syndication. And he had about, he'd done about 1200 units at the time, you know, it gave a little bio of like who this guest speaker was going to be. I was like, wow, 1200 units. You know, that's, that's amazing. I would love to have that level of success and passive income. Uh, and so I was like, oh, I got to go, you know, I'm going to go to this, going to go to this meetup and see what it's all about. So I go, the meetup ends and I was just like dumbfounded. Like this is it, you know, like this has solidified everything. This is the direction we're headed in. This is how we're going to do it. You know, I, I'm starting to build a bigger, you know, vision and all the pieces are starting to come together in my head at this time. And so I ended up talking to the speaker afterwards, after the meetup and was like, Hey man, like that was, this sounds amazing. You know, like, tell me more about this. How, how can, you know, you sound like you've had an extremely high level of success. You know, I just wanted to talk to the guy. I didn't even know what to say. It was just, dumbfounded and like slipping up on my words, you know, I was like, uh, <laughs> just excited and found out that we actually both had aviation in common. He was actually a naval helicopter pilot. I was like, and you do that full time and you got 1200 units. What? You know, then I'm thinking like, holy cow, this really is possible. Like you're speaking my language. So that was kind of how we clicked. Uh, and then he let me take him out to lunch that next week. And he's kind of been like my mentor ever since. So he's been my like, like this organic relationship, he's kind of been my, my Q&A mentor. Since it is an organic relationship, he's not like actively looking on how to like better my business and better me. It's more so whenever I have something that I'm looking to get answered as far as, well, how do you do this? Well, you know, how do you find deals? How do you raise money? What does this look like? What systems do you use for this? He answers those types of questions. Like, well, here's what we do. Here's what I think you should do based on the direction that you're headed in. So I think that that was a huge help to me. So now I've got this idea that syndication is the direction I want to go in. And I got this guy basically telling me what I need to read and what I need to learn. I remember going to that, that meetup too, or that, uh, that lunch with him and finding out that I was completely and utterly ignorant to anything syndication. You know, I'm like, you know, I, I, I remember what you said, you know, the thing, and I'm trying to like explain it. And I was like, I've read a couple books now and listened to some podcasts and here's what I think this needs to do. And I'm like asking him questions related to how I'm envisioning syndication supposed to work. And he's very, he's a very like blunt guy, you know, he's like, nope, not how that works. Not at all. Like you can just throw that out the window. This is what you really need to be doing. Like, and then I remember at one point he was like, yeah, you really need to go like start reading. Like you need to go educate yourself before you try to do anything. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, what? Like I, I'm ready to get into this thing. And he's like, you've got a lot to learn. I'm like, oh, man. So, but, but it was like, saddening but exciting at the same time because it's like this guy's gonna help me you know not only is he telling me what i maybe not what i want to hear but what i need to hear like don't just go jump into something like we did with the fourplex you know we didn't want another repeat of that so okay maybe i do need to do a little bit more educating here before i try to jump into something so he told me some books to read and some other things to do and then I remember reading them in like a week or, you know, like a few days. And then I messaged him again or called him or so, well, I did something and was like, Hey, I finished those books here. I finished what you told me to read. What's next? You know? And he was like, Whoa, Whoa. Like no one's ever came back to me a third time and asked. He's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> let me, let me think about this. Like, this is crazy. And I was like, are you serious? No one's ever come back to you a third time. That's insane. He said, yeah, I've talked to a bunch of people that have been interested in syndication. And then I go tell them to do something and they never do it or they do it and just don't ever get back to me. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, that's crazy. I'm just way too like excited about this and the fact that this is a thing. And so he just gave me some more and more books to read, more and more education. He started introducing me to a few people. I was continuing to go to all these meetups to learn, to meet all these people and learn everything that I could and listen to all these podcasts. And I'm still hammering away at this fourplex all the while and then it was about maybe four months later of continuing to learn that i met my first partner my first business partner there's three of us now but met my first one he actually messaged me on bigger pockets 
And it's funny because he lives in Gulf Shores, which is 30 minutes away from me. And he met me on this international website, <laughs> Big Pockets. That's awesome. Like, hey, man, I see that you're local. Would love to uh, love to connect and meet up with you. Yep. And you know, it was just kind of exchanging pleasantries there. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, let's meet up. So we meet up. Neither of us have any intention of becoming partners. We just thought that it was cool that we were local and that we we're both into real estate. And get there, find out we actually have a lot more similarities than we think. Uh, I've been a drummer for the last 15 years and he played the bass guitar and was in a band. And I'm like, dude, if nothing else, forget real estate. We just need to go jam. Like we just need to go play and have a blast because we were both in the same kind of music, that hard rock, heavy metal type of music. And I just couldn't believe I was meeting another real estate investor that was into that same crazy genre as me. So that right there was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. And then he used to be some kind of like professional bodybuilder or something like dude was jacked. And I had always loved working out. I was like, that's cool. And then he had been in flipping houses, single family houses for the last decade. And, but he was like, yeah, I'm actually in the process of wanting to get into, into multifamily. And I was like, really? Cause I'm trying to get into multifamily syndication. And so it was like all these similarities. And then we started talking about uh, like skill sets, like, well, what, what is it that you even like to do, you know, in, in real estate? And he's like, well, I love the asset management side of it. You know, I love like the financials and, and managing contractors, you know, like putting all that stuff together and like watching the turd get shined into like this diamond or whatever, you know? And I was like, well, thank goodness you love to do that. Cause bro, I've been doing this fourplex and I hate all of that. Like, I <laughs> yeah. hate all of that management. It's like, but what I do like is talking to people. And I like, for, from what I do know, I like educating folks on what's possible and talking to people. And at the time I had never like raised any money. So I didn't know that I like to raise money, but I was like, I just like the, the relations side of things. Um, and he was like, cool. Cause I'm an introvert. <laughs> I was like, how are you an introvert? You like managing stuff. He was like, um, I'm weird like that. I'm like, okay, okay. Well, we ended up getting like ending the conversation and neither of us still really thought that we were going to be partners even after that. And so two months went by and we didn't really talk to each other. And then 21 unit single family portfolio came across his desk. And I remember him calling me up and saying that, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, this deal came across my desk. You know, I remember like meeting up with you and we were both trying to get in like multifamily. Uh, and I remember you talked about like syndication, raising money. And this kind of checks all the boxes for like syndication. Just so happens to not be one roof with 21 units. Instead, it's 21 roofs. And I was like, I mean, yeah, it kind of checks all the boxes. And it's in the market that we like. And, you know, the numbers made sense. I was like, all right, let's do it. So that was kind of like the beginning of the partnership there. Um, and then we ended up doing that deal. And then we had another deal that the 42 unit, which is actually the first multifamily, that one took like another year to find. Like, even though we had done what we thought was like a legitimate syndication, still no one took us seriously. Still, they were like, well, you haven't done multifamily. You know, you don't know what you're doing. You're still just, I don't know, a noob, like <laughs> video yeah, game it, terminology. I completely understand. And that's actually a really big deal because when you're starting out, you're talking with brokers and lenders and these are people that are used to working with folks who have done deals before. And when they look at you when you're starting out and you don't have a track record, that is something that is one of the biggest hurdles to overcome in the beginning. And so working with people, you know, um, and having relationships in that is, is something that you guys obviously took advantage of and persistence. You just had to, you, I hate to say fake it till you make it, but generally that's the way that it goes when you're working with your first multifamily, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And then the first deal that we got, the first like multifamily deal actually came from my mentor. It was actually his deal that he was selling. I remember he emailed us, he emailed me in August of 2020 and said, you know, Hey, I know you've been trying to get into multifamily. I know you've been having a tough time, like finding a deal. Uh, but I, but I know you found this new partner and I think you guys are like an awesome team. So I wanted to see if I could help you out. And I'm like, where is this headed? <laughs> What's he about to say? And he said, I got this deal in Citronelle, which is about 20 to 30 minutes North of Mobile. And he said, I'm looking to kind of eradicate uh, or kind of get out of this partnership that I'm in now. You know, we got into it like 
four or five years ago and it's kind of went sour since. Uh, so we're just kind of trying to get rid of that. Plus it's kind of the end of the term of the deal anyhow. So we're looking to sell. And he said, with that said, we had initially planned, you know, I've been talking to some brokers and we initially planned to go ahead and market this thing in January or February of 2021 with a broker. And we're going to list it for XYZ price uh, at that time with the broker. He said, but he said, since you guys are looking for a deal, if you guys think that you can close on this deal before the end of the year, and if you think that we don't have to go through a broker, then I'll give you a $400,000 discount. And I was like, deal, like I'll take it, you know, I'm taking the deal. Uh, and so I remember being so ecstatic going to Reggie, my, my partner, and being like, bro, we got this, like, Jeremy just told me about this deal he's trying to get rid of. And, and I'm always, I've always been the optimistic one in the relationship. So I was like, so excited. And he like brings me down to earth real quick, you know, like I'm all excited about it. And he's like, well, we're going to look at the financials. You know, I know he's like your mentor, but you still got to make sure that it makes sense for us and for our investors. And I'm like, whatever, man, like, <laughs> like just be excited. Come on. Like, yeah. this is awesome. And, uh, and it ended up working out, you know, we ended up actually closing on that deal. We went through a lot of headaches and struggles and, uh, we ended up kind of cutting it short on the raise towards the end. We're about $150,000 shy of the raise. And so we're like, well, what are we going to do? And so I remember contacting the seller, which is my mentor, <laughs> and being like, hey, what do you think about helping us raise money for this deal? <laughs> and then they buy the deal. You know, we buy it from you and your investors get, you know, a piece of it. And then you get a piece. I was like, it's just a win, win, win for everyone. And so he's like, well, let me think about it. So he took two days to think about it. And he came back and he was like, I don't think that's ethically right. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It was a long shot. I get it. I get it. You don't want to be on both sides. I was like, well, what are we going to do? But then he was like, but I've got this guy that's done a couple of deals with us before. Uh, he's helped us raise money on some deals. He lived over in Destin. Yeah, he used to be like an ex-fighter pilot. Now he was a single family broker. And he's like, he's a really great dude. Helped us raise money. I know he could help you guys raise money. Uh, let me introduce you to him. It's like, okay. He introduces us uh, and I had actually followed this guy for about a year previous to this, but never like, you know, followed him on social media, but it was just one of those people that you had a bunch of mutual friends with, but I never met the guy. I was like, okay, I've seen this guy around, uh, seen some of the stuff he posts. He seems legit. So we go to brunch, find out that we all, you know, myself, Reggie and, and Matt, uh, we all went to lunch, found out we all kind of had similar vision. We wanted to all kind of head in the same direction, had the same goals and then all of our personalities kind of got along. You know, we're all like comedians and just thought everything was funny. And we just had hunky-dory time. So we're like, all right, this is obviously meant to be. So then he that was when he joined the team, which at the time, Reggie and I just thought was going to be for that deal. And he we only needed like $150,000, and he brought like $700,000 like <laughs> a two-week time span. Yeah. I was like, what are we going to do with all this extra money? And so he's like, well, we got to get another deal. So that's when we actually got another 34 unit deal under contract before we ever even closed the 42. And so that was the money. Uh, great. That's that. fantastic. I think that that really speaks to the power of finding the right people, you know, and, and in this space, in the multifamily syndication and this space that you and I, you know, all of us are in, it's very collaborative, you know. You can solve a problem, right, by just pulling in the right people and then the right people can help you fix anything essentially and make, make all of the issues that you think you have just disappear. And that's why it's such a win-win. And that's why we as multifamily investors love collaborating with one another. And just like what we're doing right now on this, uh, Josh. So thank you so much for all your stories. This has been, this has been fantastic. Normally what we like to do in order to end out the show is we have five questions that we ask every single one of our podcast guests. And we're going to go ahead and start doing that right now, if you don't mind. All right. You want to ask them yeah. or do you? Okay. Okay. Go for it. All right, Josh. So first question is what book has had the biggest impact on you and why? And it doesn't have to be business. The biggest impact on me and why? And it doesn't have to be business. Well, it's got to be the Bible then. It's most definitely has to be the B-I-B-L-E because I grew up Christian or so you, so I said, but I wasn't really. And it wasn't until my atheist fiance 
found Christ because of me, who wasn't really a Christian anyway. I just went to church and said I was, that she really found like Jesus, like the Holy Spirit. I could tell everything was different about her. I was like, why am I not like that? I've been a Christian for decades. Like what, what's wrong with me? And so she actually kind of led me back to Christ. And so it's been, I think if it, it, Jesus is, is everything to us, you know, we put him at the center of literally everything. So when we were in that fourplex, just to give a quick example, I know I'm kind of like dragging this out, but that's okay. Yeah. A quick example with the, the financing side of everything, it was, it was roughly two $2,100 a month uh, for the mortgage on the fourplex. And if you looked at the numbers, we only had like a thousand dollars a month to actually pay towards the mortgage. And so every month we were freaking out, like, how's this going to work? How's this going to work with when, but we were still tithing like every paycheck. And it was like, man, we could use this money to pay the mortgage. Think about the, how little of stress we would have if we could just use this money to pay the mortgage, but we just kept tithing and the money kept showing up. It kept showing up in the weirdest, strangest ways, but yeah, that, that's it. It have to be, have to be the Bible. Oh, that's amazing, Josh. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. That was worth it. And the second question is, if people wanted to emulate your success, what's like the first actionable thing that they could do? I would say just start learning. I think is the first thing I did was I probably spent about two, three months just learning, reading as much as I could, because once I figured out what was possible, that's when I knew, okay, what do I need to do about it? Mm. Awesome. And then next question is what small thing do most people not know about you? What small thing do most people not know? I already told you I'm a drummer, so I guess you know that now. Uh, I broke my arm in the third grade and I guess that's one small thing uh, <laughs> on, on one. Have you guys ever seen, it's the weirdest little thing on the playground and I've never seen it at any other playground, but this one. But it's that thing where you hold onto a bar and it slides. It's on like a, a gliding, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's on this slide. And it was the favored, absolute favorite, best like toy on the playground that you had to get on. And there was a long line to get on it. I remember getting on, like waiting in line, waiting my turn. And there was these two kids, cause you know, we were all really short and it was kind of high up. So you had to like, have someone like pick you up and put you on it, you know? So we had uh, kids our age, you know, that would stand there and like help us, like push us once we were on it. So we could actually move and not just be hanging and doing nothing. Wait in line, they help you up and they push you. Well, I remember it was my turn, they pushed me, they pushed me all the way to the end. There's this rubber stop at the end. And I guess I've always just been like really, really small growing up. I was always really small. So they probably pushed me a little harder than they should. And when it got to the end, it was like a jolt stop and I did this weird somersault flip thing in the air and landed on my left arm wrong and like broke my arm in half. Oh, it was, it was rough. Poor guy, yeah. So young too. But when you break it that young, it heals. It heals pretty fast, yeah. right? It did heal, yeah. <laughs> Has to. All good now. <laughs> and how do you like to unwind and restore your creative juices? Unwind, well, my wife and I really like to watch movies. We really like movies. We're like movie fanatics. So movies kind of help me like, I guess, de-stress, but then also the outdoors where we really, really love the outdoors. It doesn't even matter what we're doing. We could be at the park. We could be walking our dog. We could be going hunting. We could be going out on the water, going to the beach. Like we just need to be outside. And that, that is one, one thing that's always helped me a lot or the drums. I'm looking at my my drum set right now. Sometimes I'll be like tense, like worried about something or like trying to think of something. And I'll just get on there and play like a hard rock song and it, I'll be totally de-stressed after that, which seems backwards, but. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that 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 sounds amazing. And um, is there something that you and your family like to do together? Well, I had to just say my wife and I, we really love to travel really like to see new things. And over the last three years of this investing journey, 
we have not been able to travel because everything has been stressful. Money's been tight. We haven't had time. We got to keep working at every two to make money. So here recently, over the last couple of months, we've had a little bit more money and a little bit more time to do a little bit of traveling. So we've we've traveled a little bit and it's been just just like having new adventures. I think the experience, maybe it's not even like traveling, you know, maybe it's more so having these experiences with each other has been amazing. Very cool, man. Awesome, awesome. Well, very well done. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I, what I would like to do right now is I'd like to just open the floor up to you, Josh, and you can just let our listeners know exactly what's going on with you, how they can get in touch with you, and um, how they can learn more about what you and your partners provide and your company. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're multifamily syndicators, so we primarily just source source and manage deals. Um, which are typically multifamily, whether that could be apartments or mobile home parks. We don't actually own any mobile home parks right now, but we are definitely interested in potentially buying one. Primarily it's apartments now though. And so a way that most people typically, you know, partner with us is via passive investment or, uh, or something of the sort. So primarily, I guess the best way to find out more about exactly what we do and exactly who we are so just go to our website at ferraricapital.com and that'll, I mean, you'll see everything there. We've got our podcasts, our newsletters, our ebook, everything. Everything's on the website. Excellent. Well, very cool, Josh. Thank you so much for being on the show. I had an awesome time. I'm pretty sure that you did too. Yeah, yeah it was great. great. Thank, Thank you. you so much for all of the wisdom and inspiration. And man, you've covered so much ground over your three-year journey, four-year three journey, year. three to four years. Man, just incredible. Really great. And still doing a W-2. Um, I can totally relate with that as well. So that's amazing, man. And so for all of you listeners out there who are listening to Elevate Your Equity here, um, Sophie and I really thank you. And wherever you're listening to this, whether it's on iTunes or YouTube or on Buzzsprout or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this, please click like, subscribe, comment with the content, engage with it so that we can find out more about who you are out there and, and engage with you. And we want the feedback as well, because we're always looking to get better and provide better content that's more relevant to you, the listener. And also we like to work those, uh, those um, what do we call it? Algorithm it's the gods. algorithm gods, you know, to help assuage them and help make them feel really good so that we can go up the algorithm and get exposure to more people. We're always looking for that. So thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, this is Derek. And this is Sophie. We're signing off. Thank you guys. Thank you.